Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in, WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you after a disaster in Boston. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Uh, the Sixers get eliminated in Game 7, unsurprisingly so. I, I don't think many out there are shocked the Sixers lost Game 7, but it's the way they lost it and really what it cemented. We'll get to the Embiid stuff in this episode. We'll get to Harden and his future with the Sixers. Doc Rivers, who, who might be a fall guy, even though I don't really think he should be a fall guy for this, and where the franchise goes from here. But let's just react to Sports Tucker Bagley with me uh, as we do our video podcast here. And um, 112.88, the Sixers go down. And, and there's a lot to, to kind of digest about this game. If you didn't watch, which I'm sure everyone listening did, you'd say, all right, they got blown out. Well, you know, what, it was never a game. Well, it was. The Sixers were leading after one. The game was tied at 55. I mean, if I show you a score, 112.88, well, you can't be tied at 55. They were tied at 55. And from there, the Celtics just blitzed the Sixers. And I'm just so disappointed you know, I was I was kind of angry on the on the show on the midday show on on Friday with with Joel Embiid and the Sixers. I mean, I, I don't have anger. I mean, that just it, it's embarrassing the way they played. It's embarrassing how they performed, led by Joel Embiid. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say this besides the guy's not a championship player. We've seen it over and over and over. I, I saw a couple stats that were just mind boggling on that game. He was three of sixteen when facing Al Horford. Like, we should be at the part of Joel's career where he owns Al Horford, and he's physically capable. He, he should be at the mental and physical stage of his career where Al Horford has to completely take him out of the game. We're not there. And the other one was Joel Embiid, I think, was uh, 33.1 points per game during the regular season and 23 point whatever during the postseason. 
Um, it's the biggest drop an MVP's ever had in the season he won the MVP it, from the play, regular season to the playoffs in terms of points per game. We've never seen an MVP drop off this much in the playoffs, which is un unbelievable. Joel Embiid is the only AM NBA MVP to never at any point in his career play into the conference finals or beyond. I mean, it's, it is what it is now. And the Sixers have to take a long, hard look. And, and we'll get to Harden in a few minutes, I'm sure. And we'll talk about Doc and tweaks. But, like, the Sixers have to make a decision. Now, this offseason, can we win with Joel Embiid? A championship. Like, not games. They can win a bunch of games. Can they win a championship with Joel Embiid? If the answer in their minds is still yes, and then they retool this thing. But if there's a doubt, which there should be a doubt, in Daryl Morey's mind, in the front office's mind, then they got to think about moving Joel Embiid. They have to, because it's it's ironic that the Sixers are in a spot now where it feels like they're about to get stuck in the middle. Maybe they already are stuck in the middle, which is exactly how this whole thing started. Like yesterday was kind of a referendum on the process. Right? It was the 10-year anniversary of Sam Hinkie getting hired by the Sixers, and it was like, well, all right, what was the whole point of this thing? To, to build something, a sustained winner, would a, a championship type of player in, in, in as the foundation and to not be stuck at 50-something wins and no chance to win a title. And ironically, through some of Joel Embiid's fault, but not all, obviously, the bad draft picks and mistakes they've made and, and all sorts of decisions that have gone awry since Sam Hickey walked out the door. That's what they are. That's who the Sixers are. They are what they most wanted to not be. They are the, I mean, they are the reason the process started. They've become that anyway. Just more in a high profile and like gut wrenching way. It wasn't gut wrenching, you know, in 2012 when the Sixers went there. And and by the way, I thought about this. And Tucker, I'm I'm not sure if you thought about this, but I'm I'm sure you agree with me. The team in 2012 that went and took the Celtics to seven games with Drew Holiday, and Andre Iguodala, and Spencer Hawes, and Evan Turner, and Elton Brand put up a way better fight in Game Seven against the Boston Celtics than a team with, you know, the MVP of the league and James Harden. Like, it, it's amazing how that team, which in, in essence kind of kickstarted the process, right? Like, we can't win a title with this team. Let's try something new. That team put up a better fight in game seven in Boston. It's unbelievable. It, it is, because I think this team and everything about that team in 2012 is what they're trying to get away from, right? They didn't want to be the, the scrappy underdog who was fighting just to get to game seven. It was supposed to be a breeze. And listen, there's a world where if they put up a, a good fight yesterday and they lose on a last second shot or they, they lose by three or four, whatever it may be, we're having a different conversation. But I mean, today I, I sit here and I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to, to be a Sixers fan. I'm embarrassed to be a fan of Joel Embiid and throughout his career. I've defended him at every turn. I, I've thought, you know, this is everything, all the trials and tribulations he's gone through as a, a star turning into a superstar turning into an mvp and even through all the playoff struggles i say well he'll figure it out right because the great great players they eventually figure it out and after what i saw yesterday i just don't think he has it in him i, I really don't for the first time in a decade really i, I just I, I don't see what joel Embiid's gonna offer after watching him and this team really just give up i mean they tied it at 55 you mentioned and then the celtics went on a 28 to 3 run and, and before you blink like with about two minutes to go in the third it went from being a tie game to uh, i get like do we even have to play the fourth quarter like if i were doc rivers i wouldn't even have put Harden and Embiid back on the court i mean it was embarrassing 
the effort they were showing. They had, you know, eight made shots and, and nine turnovers as a duo. And just just the way they played yesterday and how listless they looked, no one made shots. I think P.J. Tucker is the only one who hit more than two threes on the team. And Bede was 0 for 4. Harden was 1 for 7. Harris was 1 for 7. We talked about it a little bit last week where, you know, you obviously need everybody to step up. But if you're going to be MVP, if you're Joel Embiid, fair or unfair, that, that that's a legacy-defining performance for you. And you absolutely didn't come through at all. It, it wasn't even close. And even when the game was closer in the, the first half, you were carried by your role players. It, they weren't tied with, you know, 10 minutes ago in the third because of how well Joel Embiid played. They were tied with 10 minutes ago in the third despite how Joel Embiid just let Al Horford and Robert Williams eat his lunch for the first, uh, you know, 26 minutes. So I don't know what you do because I don't know if there's a world where you trade Joel Embiid and, and are a better team. But for the first time, I think, in his career, I have serious questions about whether he can ever get there, and the answer is really, really starting to trend towards no. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, and when it comes to the idea if they trade him or not or what they do, I, I, this offseason is going to be a critical one for the Sixers because they have to, they're at a fork in the road now. And everything Tucker said is right. By the way, that third quarter, 33 to 10, the Sixers outscored 33 to 10 in the third quarter. It is the biggest margin of any quarter in the history of Game 7 in the NBA. Like, just for a second, think about that. There's never been a team in any Game 7 in the NBA playoffs that has been outscored in a quarter by more than 23 points. Like, that's regular season nonsense. Like, that's a bad Wednesday in February when, you, when one team gets hot and you have a bad night and, oh, wow, we, got, we lost the third quarter by 25 points. We lost the game that night. That's, that's February. That's not May 14th in the Easter Conference semis. Like, have a little heart. And they don't have it. They don't have it. And as far as James Harden goes, I mean, I, I, I find it difficult to muster up the energy to, to care about James Harden. I, I mean, his, like, Joel's script is being written. And unfortunately, yesterday may have been the seminal chapter in the Joel Embiid story of his career. The James Harden script was written a long time ago. I mean, is anyone surprised about this? The only thing surprising was when he had the great games and, and he went off. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. And I think, and, and I'll pivot this back to Daryl Morey and how he builds teams, Obviously, he's hitched his wagon to to James Harden and and now now Joel Embiid. But like, if your whole game is I'm going to draw the foul and they don't call fouls or their team plays really good defense and hits the ball away from you without fouling, you got to have a counter. And Joel Embiid and James Harden have no counter sometimes. Like their whole goal is to get to the free throw line. It reminds me like with this Maury thing and this team, like the old Billy Bean thing. My my belief doesn't work in the playoffs. Like. It's regular season stuff. I, I don't know if that works on the road in a game seven. I mean, time and again, these guys come up small. So, you know, Harden has the, the opt-out in his contract. I mean, go to Houston, man. I mean, whatever. I mean, I, the idea of giving James Harden a fully maxed deal at, at this age, it's, it's not going to get any better. His defense is atrocious anyway. We know he's still a good offensive player overall. He should have been an all-star, whatever. Like, but he's only going to get worse. I mean, I'm fine with Harden walking away. 
it does complicate things. It's why as we kind of go through all this and we will, I'm sure do shows this off season, like what they could do, what they should do. It's not easy. Cause if you let Harden walk, how do you replace him? If you let Harden walk, do you just trade Joel Ben and blow the whole thing up and get picks back and build it around Maxi and go, that might be the best way to build this because I'm with Tucker. Like, you know, the, would they be better next year without Joel Embiid? They're not going to be better without Joel Embiid. But would their future and their chances to win a title be better in the foreseeable future if they moved on from Joel Embiid? I think you could you could make that argument. For the first time since they drafted him, it, it's almost it's all come full circle to where they drafted him to start this. They may have to trade him to restart this, which is just remarkable. Now, as far as it goes, Doc Rivers, there will be a lot of push to fire him. Hey, maybe by the time you listen to this, he will get fired. That's the way the NBA playoffs have worked by Button Alzer, Nick Nurse. Monty Williams, you, you get fired before making the deep run. I mean, you get, you get fired if you don't make a deep run. I mean, pretty quickly and shortly afterwards, that's the way the NBA works. Uh, quite frankly, I, I don't blame this on Doc. I, I don't think he had a bad year. I think he had actually a good year, all things considered, and no one wanted to give him credit. Now, he didn't have the counterpunch back when Missoula finally went big with Robert Williams in game six and seven. And you could say that was a turning point. But I, I don't know how or why Doc Rivers should be the fall guy for Joel Embiid not showing up in the biggest game of his life and for James Harden being the same player he's always been in the biggest games of his life. If it makes people feel better, I suppose the Sixers could fire Doc Rivers. They should have done it last year to feel better or the year before to feel better, but I think he was more culpable to the losses. Tucker, what do you think about Doc? I mean, I, my guess is he probably is going to get fired. I don't th- – like, it's not going to make me feel any better because what's the next – like, is Monty Williams going to make this much better? No, and and – you mentioned, like, I don't think he's culpable in this loss. And I don't know, the one coping mechanism I used yesterday was at least this was such a blowout that no one should be safe, right? Yeah. And I think teams and franchises that that make decisions off one game or, or off small sample sizes, that, that's usually foolish. I was thinking in the NFL, especially teams that do that, well, we, we won two games in December, so everyone's safe. Yeah, don't forget about the, the previous 14 where, where he really struggled, but yeah, I thought yesterday watching that team and I think the whole lead up, the you know, 72 hours we had between game six and seven, everyone recognized what a big game that was. Like like that entire game, those 48 minutes of basketball was a referendum on the, the previous decade uh, of whether or not you believed in the process, whether or not the Sixers were right, whether or not Joel Embiid can be the superstar that leads this team to a championship. Doc Rivers, James Harden legacies on the line. And everyone failed. And I think Doc Rivers might be the least coach. I mean, what's he supposed to do? And I don't, I know he's the coach. I know he's supposed to put them in position. But when your two stars go, you know, eight for 29 from the field, well, what are you going to do? And when, you know, Tobias Harris, who actually did shoot seven to 13, uh, Tyrese Maxey went five of 12. I mean, your team shot 20% from three and got outscored 28 to three over a 10 minute stretch in the third quarter. I thought, you know, he, he took a lot of timeouts. He, he was really good with his timeouts, especially earlier in the series, to, to limit Celtics' runs. It didn't matter. Like, I think there was a sequence in the third quarter where they, they went on a run. He called timeout, and they're about down down eight or nine. I thought, all right, that, that'll be good. It'll settle him down. It'll take the crowd out of it. Celtics came back and went on, like, a 12-0 run uh, immediately. And the Sixers just had no counterpunch on the field. Like, I'm not a huge Doc Rivers fan. I thought thought he was good this season. I don't think the series is on him. I, I really don't. I think this series is simply because Daryl Morey built a team around two superstars who have never performed in the postseason. And sure enough, they didn't 
perform in the postseason. Like, like it's not that big of a shock that we're sitting here talking about Joel Embiid and James Harden coming up small in the biggest game of the year when, truthfully, that's what they've done their entire career. Well, it is. And, and I think the, the biggest indictment of all this, and you could see it as the series progressed, you, you heard it early with Missoula in those, uh, pre, those puddles on the sidelines you know, during timeouts, and you saw it with Tatum, and you saw it, Brown, especially Tatum in Game 7. The other best teams in the league, like we could talk about MVP voting, we could talk about resume, we could talk about all those things. I think you you get a sense of what the, the players think of the other players on the court in the biggest moments. And they attacked Joel Embiid and they took the ball from James Harden. Like point they don't respect those guys. Like they don't think those guys are on their level as competitors and as players. And and they're not. I mean, they're just not. So like when the lists come out next year, the top whatever players in the league, like take it all with a grain of salt because in the playoffs, you see it. It's all like we, we, we push away. Like, I don't care what you did November 15th against the Hornets when you dropped 45. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. How do you perform against the other best players? And these two guys, they just blew it. It, it was a referendum on Joel Embiid. And for the first time, for the first time since the process began, it feels like we've reached a, a full circle where the Sixers have to think long and hard now about how to fix this thing, and they have to take a hard look in the mirror and say, is our best player ever going to be the best player on a championship team? I don't think he ever will be. I think we've seen enough to show that, and now it's on the Sixers to decide it. Embarrassing game seven, really futile performance. It was so ugly, and, and everyone listening, every one of you that downloads this podcast, subscribes, listens, watches us, deserve better because take time that or of a, a holiday, a Mother's Day to watch that, an embarrassing performance. Back tomorrow for another episode of WIP Daily. Appreciate everyone that subscribes, follows it, everywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, also on the 94 WIP YouTube page. Talk tomorrow. The Sixers are a disgrace.